0: You are listening to a podcast from The National. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, and this is the Business Extra podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. The word disruptive gets used a lot these days. We do have an ever-changing economic landscape, and there are plenty of businesses across the region that are beginning to do things very differently. But one of the industries that has been... Growing extremely quickly until recently has been F&B, food and beverage, restaurants, food uh, outlets, cafes, you name it, up and down the value chain. Uh, Things have gotten slower since 2015, Uh, That rate of growth has tailed off somewhat as the overall economic sentiment has shifted downwards in the wake of the fall of oil prices. But uh, Deliveroo, which is a food delivery app that launched in the UAE in 2015, is one of several players in that space that is actually beginning to change that industry. Uh, joining me for a chat to see exactly how uh, the mechanics of this disruptive aspect to F&B works was Anis Harib, the GCC General Manager for Deliveroo. Anis, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's, it's good to talk to you because it's been quite a busy week for Deliveroo, which is the, the app that you manage and run for the whole region. Um, it's, before we get into the details of the announcement, maybe you want to explain a little bit about what Deliveroo is. Because I could easily just say it's a place, you get online, get your food delivered, but from what I've been reading, more than that.
1: Mm -hmm. So Deliveroo is a logistic-powered marketplace. So what does that mean? It means that um, consumers and restaurants connect uh, on our marketplace called Deliveroo, and we as Deliveroo uh, have created logistics around it so that when an order goes through, it's a network of drivers that are powered by our technology that pick up and drop off the food. Um, food delivery in general has traditionally been only marketplaces, so Deliveroo is a sort of 2.0, where uh, we've enabled we brought logistics into it and made the consumer experience much much better. When you talk about
0: logistics, you talking about drivers. Yes. So you operate directly a fleet of people who go and get the food from the restaurants and bring it to consumers and
1: it's customers? In, it's indirectly. So they, pl- like the restaurant plugs into our marketplace, the, the drivers as well will will get onto our marketplace, download our driver app, and then when an order comes through, they get a push to their phone. So we enable this whole kind of ecosystem to run with our technology, uh, with our technology and algorithms.
0: Now, I understand. I think I understand how it works with the ride-sharing apps in terms of getting those fleets of drivers, because there was already an existing ecosystem of what they call limousine drivers in the UAE. Mm-hmm. Um, but was there an existing fleet of like potential food delivery drivers that you guys were tapping into, or are you jumping onto to sort of other logistics networks that maybe have some utility that isn't being used, some kind of gap that they can apply their, we created this their from driving to.
1: We created this from scratch. So when we first came um, to the market, uh, we went out to these kind of driver agencies. We said, we need 100 drivers to pl- to, so we can, that we can put onto our app and then they can service our, our demand. And we struggled big time. I mean, I think we got one agency with 18 drivers and then he said he needed uh, two months to get more. So we, re- we made this big push to get more and more agencies. And now there's probably 30 or 40 in the market, and they're just pulling drivers from everywhere, and they're part of these agency uh, hubs who sponsor their visas, et cetera, and they get plugged into our network. So we've created this from scratch. And
0: this is 2015. You guys started this process here in the UAE. Yes. Uh, yeah. And you so essentially you've triggered a new sort of area of logistics, mm-hmm. where you've got specific companies setting up and hiring drivers to be able to plug into not just yours, but your competitors' networks. Is mm-hmm. that right? Exactly right. Okay. So th- this is interesting. So you actually got into the market and it wasn't there, so you had to create it. So that takes time. So how do you actually build scale when you're trying, you, you, you know, you're, you're marketing to customers, but at the same time, you don't necessarily have the, the logistics fleet where you want it. So how do you manage that? How did you, how did you manage that yeah. balance?
1: I, I think it, it it's very it was very difficult to predict the kind of scale we've had. And actually, we didn't have a very um, fast start. I think the first month was kind of a bit slow while People kind of got their head around what we we're doing. Um, and I think thank God for that because it's uh, we we wouldn't have the drivers anyway. Um, but when we when we start to show that uh, the man was there and that agencies can make a lot of money, uh, and the drivers can make more money than being traditionally, by like the traditional approach to being managed by restaurants themselves, uh, that just created the right uh, ecosystem for for uh, for agencies to kind of uh, uh, promulgate and, and grow.
0: If, if we take a step back to sort of the bigger picture, because you talk about being a platform for restaurants, um, you, I've noticed in your materials you call them partner restaurants, so you're partnering with them, you very much see yourselves as facilitators for, for this, you know, the broader F&B industry. Mm-hmm. But, 2015 was a a timing where you had a lot of supply, particularly in Dubai, we're talking about sort of mid to high end in that bracket. You had a lot of outlets opening up. There was a kind of big push in terms of retail space, F&B space, new malls, new residential communities. Every time one of these... Came online, you would have a, a brand new push of of food uh, brands, and whether local or international, that were coming in. Mm-hmm. And over the last couple of years, in our reporting, at least in the national, we've been seeing that it's softened. Mm-hmm. F&B has become, you know, the growth in terms of demand because you've had a bit of shifting in population across the UAE with the downturn in oil prices. The economy has been soft as well. So, is is that a good thing or a bad thing that you timed it around that? period where the peak had kind of happened for f&b growth
1: i think as we were entering the market it was entering a tough a tough time as you say uh, that i think helped deliveroo because as opposed to other we have, we're in 12 countries um we are the only market where delivery is mature in the sense that the restaurant partners have their own fleets anyway um, so in. If we were in a position where restaurants were fully were very busy, and we came to them, we said we're going to charge you a higher commission, be on our platform, and we'll do the delivery for you. They'll say we don't need the business, uh, you're too expensive, and then walk away. But because restaurants actually needed incremental revenue, they said, "Why not? We'll give it a try. Doesn't cost us anything. If it does well, great." And so we were able to sign up uh, a huge supply of restaurants, and then with our service over time, um, grow that, grow that, grow that, uh, grow that channel for them.
0: Okay, so that's, so that you came in when they were maybe willing to listen mm. in, in, a, in a position where they were looking for ways to grow more cost-effectively, I guess, than opening a new outlet, which sometimes is, is the option when rents are lower or you expand when you've got the opportunity to find the space. Yeah. But then I, I wonder if that doesn't put you in direct competition rather than with an Uber Eats or somebody else, but perhaps all of you are competing against the mall operators or the people who are setting up retail space to take in these F&B guys because you we were saying I can branch out your customers without you actually having to physically relocate
1: somewhere mm-hmm. and we'll talk about mm-hmm. your additions platform as well which comes into that, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you get prime location in a mall because of the foot traffic promised. Now you, you join the room because we have Uh, hundred thousand plus eyeballs a day and so we are your foot traffic and you and so when we say you you pay a premium to be on Deliveroo it's because there's a marketing uh, premium and then there's also the cost of the drivers so you're absolutely right Uh, we are we uh, for a restaurant the decision becomes do I want to be a footfall brick and mortar or do I want to be uh, uh, do I want to do a smaller space strategically located that can cover an area through Deliveroo. Because you, you
0: announced this week that you were I- extending into the UAE this additions, the pl- is it called additions, this platform, where you effectively, you have your own kitchen space in an area. Mm-hmm. So in this case, it was, uh, was it Dubai Marina? Or it DMCC? was the JLT. JLT. Yeah. Um, and so a restaurant that wants to expand its JLT doesn't need to take a space. They take space in your kitchen mm-hmm. and then they deliver from there which I guess puts everything in one place. Exactly. Makes things faster. Um, they pay you rent or they pay you a commission. They don't or, pay us rent. So how does it work in that sense?
1: So Delivery Editions is a bespoke delivery-only kitchen kind of hub. Uh, partners are invited to come uh, and, and 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 produce food there. Uh, uh, um, and they pay no rent. And all they have to do is bring their labor and their food and their actual food, food costs. Um, I, the reason I say invite is because we use our data to say what's actually missing from there. So we have to pick, so we say, JLT is missing these three cuisine types. We know that customers are looking for these three brands. They exist in Dubai, we're gonna bring them in here. Um, so restaurants, A, get to expand their geographical reach without any capex, and two is they have the confidence that they have the room behind them uh, telling them that it's actually gonna work here. So you know when we launched our site four days ago, uh, immediately, we saw you know the, num- the restaurants are all doing great numbers, because- and and frankly, we're not surprised. We knew exactly what they were going to be doing, and you know nowadays, who especially in the F&B space, who can promise that? Who can who can actually do that? You can't go to you know a restaurant tour today would go to an area and say, oh, I think it's missing Indian. I'm going to open an Indian restaurant, uh, or i think it's missing this, um, and I'm going to open uh, a, a Thai place. So the data is missing, uh, and we're here to provide that data for a restaurant to give them comfort. Um, so I think. Restaurants that have onboarded our additions program are are really excited to be a part of it, and they want to to be a part of it globally as we open more and more edition sites globally.
0: Yeah, I've seen that they've done that elsewhere. You're in 150 cities around the world, but in the region, just the UAE. Yes. Correctly at the moment. Yes. So it, it hasn't been sort of, you know, dominate everything immediately, straight away. Is there a certain idea that the UAE, given... It has certain urban centers like Dubai, like Abu Dhabi, that are, that are quite big within one country as opposed to some of the other states in the GCC exclusion of Saudi that might only have one major urban center that mm-hmm. you're trying to get it right here establish it here and then go on into other markets
1: Exactly right. Um, Dubai was the na- Dubai, uh, the UA was a natural first hub uh, because of the reasons you mentioned, we, you know, they have dense centers um, it's a, uh, we have a, a mix of uh, big big expat population uh, and uh, the kind of uh, the uh, the demographic suit, the, the kind of product fit. So that it was kind of an obvious choice as a first leap and now once we kind of iron out some of the things we've been working on for the last year, we'll be ready to do our next our next launch of new cities. Uh, we had recently raised some funding and one it's for three reasons. One of them is additions, which we touched on briefly. One is to continue to hire engineers to power our logistics marketplace and three is expansion. So uh, certainly on our radar.
0: So if you if you talk about yourselves as sort of being a logistics marketplace, then but then it doesn't have to be food, ultimately, mm. right? I mean, Deliveroo is quite a gener- generic term. Yeah. So um, you know, without putting words into the mouth of the of the the people leading the company globally, is, is there the potential down the line that you could be creating the, this logistics platform to be utilised for any kind of item where there's demand?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, we could, um, uh, but I think it's this, it could be distracting. Uh, there's so much to do in food. The opportunity in food is so large. Uh, when you think about not just restaurants, but you think about groceries down the line as well, uh, it's immense. And and the technology and the focus that we need to win in this space is going to be very uh, very intense. Um, so while we could have taken multiple routes and done different things, including ride sharing, for example, um, we've decided to to, to focus uh, predominantly on food and make our our make our our mission to bring the food that you want delivered as fast as possible to you.
0: It seems that there's kind of a movement of different parties in that food space at the moment. So, you know, in the last few months, we we had uh, Carrefour consolidating its position uh, by taking on Jayant. And so, and that's given it, it seems a bit of a push in terms of online grocery shopping. Mm -hmm. Then Noon.com, backed by Mohammed Alibar, finally did launch. And in his initial vision, he talked about delivery of food and groceries, actually both. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we have uh, Deliveroo, but we also have Talabat, which has been around in the GCC. We've got Uber, Eats. Um, there are other players in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So everyone recognizes the opportunity. Okay. And I think that's why we're here. That's why you're doing what you're doing. You're doing good business in the last two years. But then there has to be the challenge here. So at some point, is there going to have to be a removal of certain players of the market? Or is there going to be even more of a fragmentation? I mean, how when you look ahead at the UAE and the, the GCC in terms of this, you know, what, what keeps you awake at night?
1: Mm-hmm. I think um, er, the pie, like you said, the pie is enormous. Uh, I th- but I think the, I think that you have the players like the talabats, like the marketplaces will have their share. Um, uh, but it's a basic platform. It's a b- basic marketplace. If we're going to push this, this, uh, th- if we're going to push this model further and further, we have to be more and more disruptive. So. The initial disruption was okay. Great, we have logistics now. You can track your driver. It's going to be 30-minute deliveries. We're going to push that. Now, we, now we have to start talking about what else do customers want? How else do we get deeper, and deeper into food? Um, you know, if the average check today is you know, call it 20 pounds or 100 dirhams, how do we make the average check 50 dirhams so it's more affordable in mass market? Um, other players that run marketplaces and do maybe sell TVs but also groceries aren't going to be as focused on disruption as food as deliveroo is. And so with additions, it uh, puts us in a very unique spot to really disrupt food down the line. That's It, our goal. it,
0: it, it seems very disruptive. I mean, I- even disrupt to the point where you perhaps don't even know how disruptive it might be. Because if you, if you think about a marketplace like the UAE, where first of all, we, we were used to delivery. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been living here almost 14 years and you know from day one I, I, I saw how easy it was to get stuff delivered. Of course, within a, a, a real vic- close vicinity to wherever you lived. And it was always hit and miss whether you would get your delivery in the way you wanted it hot cold what time etc so okay you put discipline on that you and your your competitors you put discipline on delivery you've shown how it can be done you apply technology to it and and you can actually make it much more efficient and faster and reach more people mm-hmm. but then the idea of additions where you're telling uh, a, 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 an F&B brand that you can you can come and cook and deliver in an area that you haven't needed to you know get the extra licensing for need to get the to rent the new space for to do all the marketing do the extra staff I mean that is you know potentially something very 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 different and I can imagine in other emirates for example um, and you may already be doing this but an, a, a Dubai F&B or an Abu Dhabi F&B that wants to reach an audience in Dubai or Abu Dhabi vice versa rather than actually having to set up there this is something they could take advantage of assuming yeah. you invite them to the platform
1: right? absolutely we're, we're, we're having those conversations as well of uh, uh, Cross cross Emirate discussions,
0: and it cut, so. but it cuts out and it, it does cut out the, the property, aspect of it, which mm-hmm. has always been such a big part of pretty much every industry here. But in particular, food. And if I the last time I went to more of the Emirates, for example, in Dubai, because I don't go very often, I was amazed at the amount of space given to F and B in their new retail area that they had set up. There were hardly any shops, maybe one or two. Uh, sort of landmark brands mm-hmm. uh, that they hadn't had before but pretty much it was restaurant, 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 restaurant. Mm-hmm. So they're realizing that to get people out of their homes uh, or out of, off the beach or out of the pool and, and to, the mall, to my mall when money is tight or when there's competition that I have to put in these experiences. And then on the same time you're coming up with these additions where you're saying no, you don't leave, need to leave your house or your friend's house or wherever it is to get that experience. Is it competing on the same in the same area,
1: uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, any any anybody who's feeding any anybody who's feeding you uh, is our competition. Whether it's the is is it's the restaurant, uh, it's the mall, it's the, you know your home co- your groceries. Uh, you know, we we want to feed you three times a day, uh, and to do that, uh, we need to we need to understand how people are eating every day. But so, like like online e-commerce, I mean you're still going to have your brick-and-mortar uh, uh, stores. People want the experience sometimes of being out, And but as, you know, we firmly believe that as the home environment gets better and better, you know, you're talking about uh, um, major changes to the way we watch TV, the way we watch sports, uh, and coupled with the fact that we're going to get better and better at delivering food to you conveniently, what you want, it's going to, the, the proposition down the line is going to be very tempting to, to continue to stay in. So, I think anyone doing uh, anyone kind of against us in this in this sense needs to needs to up their game as well because we're certainly doing that.
0: More business extra in just a moment. But first allow me to tell you about The National's other podcasts. Beyond the Headlines takes a deeper dive into the biggest news from the week with a distinct Middle Eastern point of view. And Extra Time from our esteemed sports desk is a best place to chat about the English Premier League and more. Subscribe to both shows as well as this one on iTunes or find us as always at thenational.ae. I'm talking to Anis Harab, he's the Regional General Manager for the GCC for Deliveroo. Um, It's been a fascinating discussion, I want to pick up on something you were saying a little bit earlier. Um, When you guys launched a couple of years ago in the UAE, you had to help uh, grow this logistics market in terms of delivery drivers. Mm -hmm. And it's almost become sort of a sub-sector of logistics that didn't exist a few years ago. in the UK, for example, where I've used Deliveroo, it's been it was it was quite efficient. Um, they, they they call it the gig economy, mm-hmm. where you know students and people looking for part time work. Not only are they doing you know the the Uber driving etc., but they're actually becoming Deliveroo drivers as well. And you see them all like in a high street, they're all together, not just your app but other apps as well, mm-hmm. Uber Eats etc. Um, all of them are congregated, waiting for their next delivery. Uh, but here, it's not quite like that. It's it it's not organic. Um, now the dark side of it, if you like, in the in the, in the UK of um, of this sort of growth of e-commerce and delivery has been a real change in the way that um, employees experience those benefits and the hours and and, and all of this kind. Of, there's been a huge debate over there. Here it's very different, right? Because and this is what we're trying to understand. It is a, a Deliveroo driver works for a specific company, correct? Isn't just some guy getting on his moped. And signing up to your app,
1: yeah, just yeah, yeah. The, the laws and regulations around labor here are, are pretty defined, and so the visas and the and the employees have to stick with one with one uh, company. Um, we have uh, we have a lot of different incentive structures, similar to like in the UK, that uh, that allow that we could, we use here to uh, to incentivize drivers to to be more efficient. Uh, but the idea of working for multiple platforms and kind of do you know the whole flexible working hours. Uh, isn't applicable in in, in the UAE market.
0: And so you have these companies have set up, they've got their pool of drivers, they use your platform, um, and that creates a different aspect to the economy, which is, you know, quite interesting and probably unexpected. Um, But in the sense of uh, they are employees, as you would understand in the UAE, as per labor law, et cetera, et cetera, that all has to apply. Yes. You can't get around that, essentially, no. in, the, in this day and age. No. Um, so does that affect your ability to create the same margins that you would in, say, the UK or the US? Because essentially, you've got a middleman now, right?
1: Is yeah. that how it works? Yeah. Um, the labor the labor structure, I mean, the l- labor costs here are generally lower, so we can maintain uh, um, Europe-like or UK-like margins. Uh, but had there been, had there been no middleman, uh, we can probably save, uh, uh you know, 10, 15% more, uh, on our driver costs. Um,
0: and when you talk about margins in terms of UK, US, um, is it, what, is it similar? Do your margins match F and B? Like when you, when you compare yourselves to sort of what margin you're supposed to be getting as a business, and I know you're a business school graduate, so <laughs> probably you look at all this, um, do you say okay, I need to re- replicate the event the the margins that a restaurant might or do you compare yourself to another industry?
1: We compare ourselves. We're more of a e-commerce online player than we are an F&B business So our margins are more comparable to what we view as as, as, as the online marketplaces
0: As is it sort of 30 40 percent or would it be less than that when it's e-commerce? Uh,
1: it, it, it depends market to market uh, you know, we, we our focus now is mainly on investing and, and, not, and less so on actual the margin of our business.
0: And I saw that you, the last investment round for Deliveroo in general, this is globally, was uh, the sixth investment round, I believe. Yeah. There were five before that. And yeah. this one was $385 million, yes. which is almost as much as the five before. And the valuation that it puts on the business of $2 billion in total. This is all I'm just repeating what was in the press release so yeah. now. Um, so I'm sure they're right. Yeah. Um, but the, I guess, how does that affect day-to-day business? When you get a new, you get a new funding round, you've got new investors that are coming in um, and old investors that are doubling down, if you like, as well. And then you, the, the three areas in which this money is supposed to go to, which is tech investment, um, expanding into other markets – and then uh, also into the additions, right? To keep that going, so you've earmarked where that money is going to be. But then, does this suddenly change a gear for you? Do, you? do you suddenly? I mean, I know you're working flat out, probably like other mm-hmm. e-commerce companies. But mm-hmm. when that money comes in last week, you know, is it all? Is like your hair's on fire now? You got to, you got to start running.
1: Yeah, yeah, it kind of is like that. I think before the raise, um, we would we have our core business, which, which, uh, which has been doing very, very well, and so we have that business growing. And then. Before then, we've we've lo- we had about maybe 10, 10 edition sites, and so we've had time to kind of showcase what this can do to. You're talking globally. Yeah. Globally, yeah. Uh, what this can do to the to the uh, uh, what this can do down the line for us. We we kind of you know sell our vision about what we want to do with editions, and that's what gets the investment. So once we kind of prove the concept, um, the money comes in to kind of fund all these initiatives. So uh, you're right. So it, you know it's. It's kind of like you try something. And when it works, you raise money for it. You try something, make some. Well, you try. It for, so it's, it's. Um, you know. So we've we've shown that international expansion works, so the money can be earmarked for that. Now we have additions, which we're showing is working, so we have money earmarked for that. So it's. Uh, and we need the tech fund. We need the tech engineers to build everything for us. So that's kind of how this the cycle happens. Um,
0: and how do you? How would your competition be? Should they be much more worried this week now that you've got this injection of cash in terms of of how you're going to beat them out there in the in the marketplace?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know how they're, they're, they're feeling. I mean, we don't think too much about the competition because we want to just stay focused on, on what we're trying to do for the customer.
0: It's a very very nice answer. Keeps it safe. Doesn't, I was hoping you'd say something about how you're going you're gonna to knock them off off the top spot or you're going to keep the top spot. You're going to get the lead going forward. But but more seriously, um, when you get that kind of investment, you say technology, I think for people out there, they, they don't maybe understand what technology you're talking about. You say you have engineers. You say you have coders. But what is this? Is this about being able to find addresses quickly? Or you know what, what kind of technology are you working on?
1: So we have... Uh so I'll give you an example. We have a uh, uh, logistics algorithm called Frank. Um, mm. why,
0: why is it called Frank?
1: It's a good question. I don't know why it's called Frank. The engineers <laughs> told me it's called Frank. I said, okay, I like that name. Uh, the the old algorithm had a different guy's name. Steve, so let's say. It Steve. And yeah. so we got rid of Steve and now we have Frank. Uh, and Frank, uh, you know, kind of makes, when I mean, we have three parties. I mean, you have the consumer, the driver and the restaurant. Frank helps us uh, manage the sort of the timings and the and the uh, expectations between all three parties. Um, so you know the prep times of restaurants, uh, when the driver gets assigned, which driver will get assigned. Uh, are we taking into account? Are we going to do double orders per per driver? We're going to do single. So Frank kind of analyzes of what's happening on, on uh, at all times and ensures that we're doing the most efficient thing we can. Uh, to get the fastest delivery to achieve. Is a
0: is Frank a kind of AI uh, yes. platform? Yes, absolutely. And and so is, is it like other AI where the more the more deliveries he has, the better he becomes?
1: Absolutely. So we start. We always get this from the restaurants when a restaurant launches. They said, "Wow, my prep time is not this high." We said, "Well, Frank's learning. Frank's learning. Give him a Okay. Sign.
0: So I mean do they think some must think there's actually a guy called Frank who's who's sitting in the corner of the office right. reading a book.
1: <laughs> we have a lot of uh we have a lot of uh comp- yeah we have a lot of uh, jokes around Frank. Uh, yeah, for sure our partners. Yeah, there's like,
0: I want to see this Frank. Tell He's Frank wrong. I'm looking for him. Yeah, you know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um so I mean that's interesting because because w- with scale comes more more accurate AI. So it, in London, a city of nine million, you're gonna you're gonna have three times as much scale as Dubai, for example, Abu Dhabi. Does that impact it in terms of how how much better your platform will be here versus the delivery of excuse me delivery platform elsewhere?
1: It can. There are some layers that are uh, multi, there are cross country, uh, and so it doesn't uh, so. Any learnings we make from London, when we do tests in London, we can apply globally. There are some that are specific to the markets, especially around specific restaurant prep times, for example, that learns at a local level. But there are some things that we say, oh, wow, we tested something in London and we've had, you know, the data checks out and we're going to push it out. And then each market can then sort of react to how this is affecting their their day to day.
0: And so that so now you you'll put more money into Frank. Okay, he's getting a raise, if mm-hmm. you like. So, yeah. what what do you hope to get out of Frank now, going forward? I mean, what what's the, what what do you think you're going to be better at in terms of technology now that you've got this extra investment and you can put some more resource towards it? it,
1: it it's um, you know, we still haven't perfected sort of uh, I say writer assignments have not been like, which writer gets assigned when. Uh, Frank now will start to focus on edition sites. Um, how is is that
0: judging which, which restaurants you should invite to that area where you have an additions restaurant? Fra- Editions? Frank is logistics. So the, okay.
1: the data we have that manages uh, kind of uh, demand. Uh, that's a separate. That's a separate okay. algorithm. There's no name for that. It's, okay. It, 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 there's, there's okay. No, Maybe no we na- should do a reader competition
0: yeah. <laughs> to name to name should, that one.
1: Why not? Maybe we should say, get some suggestions in. Yeah. I'm open to that. Uh, let me know. com. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, but uh, with with Frank um you know now that we have additions and we have multiple restaurants in under under one roof uh you know frank can start looking at what are the gains we can make operationally from that and that's a whole other project you know what are the benefits of having restaurant a and b literally 10 meters apart from each other that changes the game
0: and can anyone come in and actually get you to consult for them i mean does it work that way as well like if i'm a restaurant chain I'm um, one of these big chains. I don't know Chili's and Applebee's or whatever. Can they come to deliver and say, you know, we need to use Frank. We need to use, um, you know, your other AI, your other tech. Can you help us with this? Does it? Be- do you become sort of the industry's go-to at some point? Has that happened elsewhere?
1: Our most successful restaurant partners are the ones that are, that are kind of our exclusive uh, partners that we work very closely with. And those are the ones that we sit down and we say this is how we can help you with you know with the data let's look at your menu conversions, let's look at what people are looking for let's help you design your menu
0: and would you charge them for that no okay uh, so this is this is all growth together
1: it's growth together it's all a partnership uh you know we have a you know, very big account management team that 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 you know invest in our top partners and the ones that want to work closely with us we, we we really help them uh grow much much faster
0: uh, let me ask you about disrupting the disruptors. Something very interesting happened in the last couple of weeks, yep. where um, it was going to happen eventually, but I think the timing perhaps surprised people, was in Saudi Arabia, they said, uh, by June next year, women are going to drive. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, the the uh, demand models for uh, Uber and Kareem probably did a backflip, and they're now scrambling to rewrite exactly what Saudi looks like for them. <laughs> okay? Might be good, might be bad, we don't know. It's too early to tell. But... In the disruption game, and as you were talking about trying to disrupt F&B here, trying to disrupt how people eat, how people get their food delivered, what potentially could disrupt what you're trying to do? I mean, you know, you're not immune to outside forces. I mean, what is it here that we're talking about? Is it um, a continuation of a soft economic cycle? Is it uh, oil prices spiking again? Is it, you know, what you were saying earlier about restaurants, if they start doing really well, suddenly they're not interested anymore. Mm. Is it upside or downside? I mean, what are the risks we're talking about? Well,
1: firstly, the 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 kind of... Uh our growth kind of de- depends on the UA being healthy and growing and for people wanting to move here and work here and earn money here and have disposable income. Uh, that's, you know, that's that's critical for our business. Um, there is a lot of new developments uh, across Dubai uh, and Abu Dhabi that are, that you know, that are being built, uh, being constructed. And these are all estimated to add millions of pe- peoples and, uh, people and jobs to the market. Um, so these are all things that we kind of believe in and, and and we hope come to fruition so that we can uh, we can we can benefit from this and, and grow um, we also feel that there's a lot of areas that are coming up that don't have uh, any restaurant cycle so it's, it's actually an opportunity for us to, to grow get there early and and, and and be part of that sort of story before uh, the malls come up so so to speak um, the you know I think it's it's it, unless there's some regulation that comes out around uh, you know, transportation of food. Uh, you know, for example, we're act- being asked to change our boxes uh, next year. So we've changed a lot. We started changing a lot of our boxes. Now they're smaller and they're all lit up for the health and safety of, of the road. So uh, we are, you know, we, we are adapting to whatever comes at us and doing what we can to ensure that uh, the drivers are safe and the consumers are, are safe with delivery. Um, but so far, uh, no, we're not seeing any major uh, major risks, and uh, but we continue to rely on certain dem certain trends to continue for our business to grow here. And something like
0: VAT, which is a regulatory change, you know, everybody has to deal with it. Does that become something that is an opportunity or a challenge for you next year?
1: It's a, it's a, it's a. I mean, it it impacts our impacts our our margins um, because it's likely that. Uh, we won't pass that on to the customer. Um, it's an awkward add-on to your delivery fee, so I don't think we'll, we'll add that. But it's um, obviously surprises like that make it difficult to plan. Um, say, for example, it was you know it was it was much higher. It would have been a, a bigger issue for us. Uh, but you know, but these are some ex- unexpected things we have to we have to you know be ready for.
0: And the restaurants themselves, are they, do you feel your partner restaurants are ready for for things like VAT? How well do they adapt to this? Or do they come to you again and say, shall we take a decision jointly on whether to pass this on to the customer or not? Do you have these conversations?
1: Uh, we're a little bit behind, I'd say, in, in having those conversations. Um, I think there's still a lot of, there's a little bit of uncertainty about how it's going to affect some partners um, how it'll affect maybe I don't know free zone restaurants, for example, that we work closely with. Yeah, everyone's
0: um, waiting to see the how how that plays yeah, out. Yeah, right?
1: so we have, we're discussing with them, but we're kind of just it's it's a bit high level because yeah. until we have everything we're down, we can't kind of agree finally on how we're going to move Be- forward. Because
0: if you if you're you could potentially deliver from a free zone restaurant to a non-free zone customer and and avoid VAT potentially, right? Which is obviously a difficult thing, right? And I'm sure the authorities are more interested in working out this than than you. Um, So, you know, obviously there's always these different regulations that you always have to adapt to. But it seems to me, and I'd love to hear your point of view on this if you have one, that the UAE actually, when it comes to a lot of these e-commerce businesses, Airbnb, for example, uh, Uber, Kareem, has actually got regulation pretty good Mm -hmm. in terms of the balance. You look at the UK or the US or Singapore even, where they did no regulation and suddenly they're banning Airbnb or they're banning Uber, mm-hmm. you know, three, four years down the line where people are, are used to using them. While here, they seem to be a bit tighter at first, yeah. but then that gives you a chance to loosen things up. I mean, how do you feel the regulator approaches these, these industries?
1: I, I've actually, I love how, how, how uh, engaged in dialogue the UAE is when it comes to disruption. Uh, you know, we, we worked out of, we work with, the DM, we're, we're officially uh, based in the DMCC. And we've had uh, we've had multiple conversations with them about how our model and how it works, and they've been you know very supportive uh, uh, about uh, first firstly the core business but also additions. Um, so you know we are very we, we've had a very good experience here with, with discussions with with, with regulators. Um, and the most important thing is when something is just not the way it has been working is just to sit down and discuss. I mean, dialogue is important because there's probably a point on both sides. So as long as we have that dialogue. Um, which, I, which we've seen is very kind of open here is uh, I think we'll, we'll shake out the way, the way it should.
0: I, I want to wrap up just talking a little bit about you, uh, Anis, because I look at your background and uh, there's an interesting split here. Okay, so you did the uh, business school investment banking thing. Yeah. And then suddenly you're working for Amazon. Yeah. And now you're in Deliveroo. Yeah. So w-
1: what happened? So when I graduated, I graduated in 07 for my undergrad, uh, and that was 07, so that was like boom times. Everyone was doing banking and, you know, went to New York and became a banker. Um, it was a great experience. Um, I didn't think it was for me. Uh, I wanted to get my hands a little bit more dirty and the kind of sitting in, sitting in an office well, and there plenty of machines to get dirty <laughs> in banking, but I know what you mean. <laughs> different, different kind yeah. of dirty, I think. Um, so I said, you know, I finished my two-year program, and I said, you know what, I'm not going to do banking. It's not for me. I swore that, because I worked very long hours, and I swore, I was like, you know what, life's short. I want to do something that I actually enjoy doing day to day.
0: Oh, so you went and did an MBA?
1: I did an MBA afterwards. Okay. So I, I, I started, I, started uh, I did my MBA afterwards. Uh, I went to work. Was that
0: during the crisis? Sort of a good time to go yes. do your MBA? Uh, yes, okay.
1: exactly. So I did my MBA, um, and I actually dropped out after my first year, um, to do like, an, I got into this incubator that did this to do an app called one away. It was like using the GPS of your phone would show you all anyone who's near you. That's a friend of a friend. And so you can meet new people and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was meant to be like a social app. This is 2010.
0: Okay. Pre Tinder kind of all that kind of stuff. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah, so you're, I, you're already seeing sort of the power of, uh, GPS and socializing, etc so there were lots of people out there developing you're right
1: things. i just picked the wrong sector i was like i wanted it to be like sort of pg very uh business-like mm-hmm. and why are the dating apps are the ones that made the money and all this yeah. stuff that was like that was the real gold which i which i completely missed on um so we did it for about four or five months uh raised a little bit of money and then we didn't get excited about it anymore so the team kind of disbanded by then all my classmates had, gra- had graduated from from wharton so i had a, an opportunity to go to insead to finish up my last three credits so I went to NCA and I was I was there I was going to move back to New York afterwards I was like, oh this is nice I'm in France and Amazon came to campus and they're like, oh we have this MBA program and it's you know blah blah, blah. it's in London I said yeah sure so when I, I I got the job and I moved to London and Amazon was amazing because it was a very it was a really cool way to see how how they think uh, about e-commerce how they think about the customer they're very customer obsessed and Amazon actually has very three very very basic principles they said they said you know what pricing, availability, and selection. They said, the customer's never going to want uh, uh, cheaper prices 10 years' time, the customer's never going to want slower service, and the customer's never going to want uh, less selection. So they dedicated, you know, their, everything was kind of measured and focused around these three KPIs, right? So they were very, very focused on those three levers of growth. Uh, and they became, that was a customer obsession wheel, and that's what made them successful. So also, oh, the founder of Deliveroo, Will, actually was in my business school, uh, so we were classmates. So I used to meet him when I was in London. I used to meet with him a lot, and he was starting Deliveroo up. It was very, very small at the time. But I started kind of chatting with him every month or so about his business, and then I started to realize the marketplace model, which is what existed there, like the Just Eats and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they they were very they were a simple platform that didn't care about service. The delivery fee, the, the service was like fifty minute plus. Uh pricing was It was, you know, there was no, there was no conscious effort. And then service was, uh, a selection was all down market. right. So here's Will. He's starting this company called Deliveroo. They're focused on more middle chain, middle market, uh, uh, quality brands. They're they're delivering in 32 minutes. Um, and he hadn't figured out pricing yet. So it wasn't much of a pricing consideration, but he's going to focus on pricing one day. So I'm like down the line, how can Deliveroo lose to just eat? when they're focused on these really core customer needs. So that my Amazon kind of hat was like, okay, I need to be, I really wanna be a part of this. And that's when the discussion happened with Will. uh, And I joined the London office then. So that's sort of how this one of, you know, kind of U-turned. And, but at the end of the day, between Amazon and Deliveroo, we're both customer-focused. We both believe in the same growth tenants. Uh, and that's what we're sort of, you know, driving home.
0: So for Deliveroo, the philosophy is how can we deliver faster? How can we get the prices better? How can we improve our service? Mm-hmm. So these are the three things as yeah. well. Yeah. And do you think you'll be able to take that beyond the UAE and the region? Do you th- is there any plan, blueprint for, for expansion?
1: We're looking at we're looking closely at a, a couple more markets in the region. Uh, we haven't made any final decisions yet. We spent the last year really consolidating our positions in the twelve countries we're in. I think uh, two thousand eighteen will be the year for for further expansion.
0: Anis Harib, regional manager for the GCC for Deliveroo. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I'm Mustafa rawi This has been the Business Extra podcast. This episode, I spoke to Anis Harib, the general manager for the GCC for delivery app Deliveroo. Our producer, as always, is Kevin Jeffers. Thanks to him. You can download this episode as well as our other podcasts on iTunes. Of course, visit thenational.ae for our fuller coverage. Thanks for being with us. We hope to see you again next week.